Hello and welcome to Series 5 of the BIM Academy Digital Climate Podcast. I'm Paul Thorpe, one of the directors here at BIM Academy, and thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. The construction industry is one of the largest contributors to climate change, and there is an urgent need for us to adapt to a more sustainable way of working and to reduce our carbon emissions. In this podcast series, I've invited guests from across the industry to talk about the innovative ways we are using digital technologies to combat climate change and to help us design and build a greener, smarter and cleaner built environment. Hello and welcome. I'd like to introduce my guest today, Renee Morcos, CEO of Alice Technologies. Renee is the inventor of the world's first generative construction simulator and optimizer, and he obtained his PhD in artificial intelligence applications for construction at Stanford University, where he currently serves as an adjunct professor in the civil and environmental engineering department. Welcome, Renee. Hey, Paul. Thanks for inviting me. Great to be here. Well, thanks for joining me. Um, So to serve as a suitable entry ramp to our discussion, I thought it would be great if you could provide an overview of your history with AI and its application. Yeah, so I I started my PhD in 2009 uh, at Stanford in Silicon Valley. So I've uh, got a front row seat to really, I don't know, I mean, the AI revolution or or a lot of the technological um, advancements that have been made in the last 15 years. Uh, I've got to see, I think big data was the first buzzword. And then a couple of years later, it was uh, vision. A couple of years later, it was neural nets, it was machine learning. Then uh, nowadays, it's LLMs. And so there's sort of the the wave du jour, so to speak. and uh, I did my PhD uh, on um, artificial intelligence applications in construction. So I'm a world expert on applying AI algorithms in construction. Uh, I'm not an uh, expert on AI per se in the sense that I haven't developed AI algorithms from scratch, but I've definitely developed them for construction. Um, and I did my uh, PhD on what I did was I converted uh, construction into um algorithmic terms so what i effectively did is i took complex construction constraints and converted them to generalized scheduling constraints um the um the reason that's significant is that my work or my research is a key that enables you to um apply 50 years of operations research to construction Construction goes from being this like unsolvable, weird sort of black sheep problem by itself, not connected to the rest of the world, to suddenly being readily solvable with uh, any off-the-shelf algorithm. We've applied everything from discrete event simulation to genetic algorithms to mixed integer programming to you name it, right? Um, so that's that's kind of my background. So uh, just a question on that: What specifically drew you to construction? With the application of AI, what was was there another history of construction that sort of aligned the two? Yeah, yeah my, my dad's a civil engineer, so uh, growing up, I mean, I got to see him at home with the draft tables and building stuff. And then when I, you know, he he told me, you know, study anything you want, just don't do civil engineering. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you did, uh, yeah, you sort of half half obeyed him then. Yeah, so I was like, okay, great. So I, I, I built stuff around the world. I, I like construction. I like building. Uh, I did underwater pipelines, $350 million gas refinery in Abu Dhabi, cruise ship terminal in Amsterdam. I was in Afghanistan for one year. 
design, build, procure my own jobs from A to Z for 13 months as a civilian private contractor in Kabul. Um, I So then when I did my PhD, I really developed something I thought would solve the problems that I saw on site. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I guess if you're in Silicon Valley, you're a hammer and everything's a nail. So you know, surprise, surprise, I applied algorithms to solve the problem. Um, but what I was I was trying to do in the beginning was was improve space utilization on construction sites. Right? If you maximize space usage, you shorten construction durations. And so that's sort of what I was um looking looking to do. Uh and what I realized quickly was there was many different sequences to build a job. And if you're going to resequence, um yeah, I guess it just seemed really strange to me. Like, why wouldn't you use a computer to do that? Uh, after you know, a couple of years of research, I realized, like, oh, like that's one of the fundamental problems with our industry. Like, it we we don't use computers to resequence. Yeah, which sort of mind like when you think about it, if you want to build whatever building and you're going to build foundation A, then B, then C, or B A C or C B A or or you know uh, B C A or whatever the the sequence was. It's kind of weird. Like our field just doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't, our tech can't do that. And when you look at other fields, it's very, very standard. It's kind of like the, the first thing that the tech can do. That kind of neatly leads on to my next question about the sort of the state of construction with it being documented across numerous sources with construction, particularly, particularly being slow at adopting new technologies in comparison to other industries. But with the research you've done in AI, do you think it could be a different story? Could construction actually lead other industries and be one of the first to really apply AI and realize its benefits? Um, great question. Um, one of the things that I've pushed for in my research uh, role uh, was to build a theoretical foundation that would enable this next wave of innovation to occur. Um, I'm one person, so I can't tell you that uh, I've been successful technically. That's that's for sure. Uh, I've managed to convert it into like I remember when I discovered it, um, 2012, 13-ish. I went to my advisor's office and I was like, "Martin, this thing's a key. It's a key. It's literally a key. Like you can use it to like." apply lots and lots of different you know solutions right you can suddenly start like reading random publications and applying them to our field and so from a technical perspective um yes i i think i've i've managed to do that um and i've proven it right the first eight months of the company we tried all these different ways of solving it um in terms of the the industry broadly speaking um i do believe that we do need a uh theoretical or technical foundation upon which to build these these technologies um, one of the things that uh me and my you know former advisor now my my colleague in some ways um agreed on martin fish from stanford was that interestingly our field does not have a, a standard uh process model or a standard conceptual model it's really really strange you know we 10 percent of world gdp but like here's what i mean a uh, kid came to me from the Stanford Computer Science Department and says, hey, I'm really, really interested in construction. And so I thought to myself, like, wow, that, that's very, very rare, right? Yeah. Usually computer scientists are interested in, like, other stuff. 
And he said, I, I want to work on construction. Like, you know, can you point me to a book, right, to read? Can you point me to something that I should, um, like, like you know, how do I think about it? What are the pieces? We, we actually don't have that, right? And so, um, you know, I think that that's one of the things, one of the reasons why we've been a little bit behind. You know, I think another thing that's interesting is construction management is one of the very few fields where if you want to study management, you don't go to the business school or you don't go to operations research. We have our own construction management department, right? And so that's, I think, one reason why it hasn't been connected to the other fields as readily as, as some of the other yeah. stuff. Um, in terms of innovation, uh, research that one of my colleagues did uh, at Stanford shows that construction is actually very rapid to adopt um, vertical innovations. So if you bring someone a, a better hammer, right, or a nail gun or a better excavator or, you know, like stuff that actually doesn't apply across trades, right, that's just like one person using it, then it's rapidly adopted. Mm. Oh. Will the latest sort of wave of stuff that we're seeing in terms of like LLMs and other stuff improve the speed of adoption in the industry? Yes, I believe so. I think we've been on that journey since 2017, 18 yeah, with that vertical integration, it's it's with construction, it's very uh, low margins for a lot of people involved. So any efficiency that they can gain, they're very quick to adopt it. But yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with, yeah, literally with the sort of cross contractual arrangements, there's different incentives uh, sort, of, sort of drive that efficiency. So it's been a bit tricky to, obviously my background's in BIM and trying to apply BIM to a project has been tricky in the sense where it's not completely clear who who owns the responsibility and, and where the sort of the benefit lies does it does the clients re reap the benefits or does the contractor yeah i think that the that that's one of the challenges that arises right i think what i've seen the pattern that i've seen like sort of watching like one of the nice things about our department is that we had i think 25 phds and each one of them working on like you name it right we had folks working on like robotic applications we have folks working with parametric facade design we had somebody working on on uh, uh oh uh large scale city citywide analysis of like energy consumption and, and efficiency and so on and so forth but like one of the things that like we got from watching this or i, I got from watching this was realizing that um people will build the models that are going to solve the problem that they want to solve and I, I don't know if I agree with the, the I, I, I think BIM is the way to go. I think it's, it's got a lot of benefit, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know if I agree with the, that sort of like one model to rule them all vision that, that BIM has sold us. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't think that you're going to end up in a world where you create one model and then you use it for acoustics and structural and architectural and, and, you know, all the other stuff. I think you know the 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 acoustics people will build an acoustic model and so on and so forth. You know, um, then you will need some sort of integration system like Navisworks or like you know. So I think that that is the way to go. Um, in terms of like, I think some of the thing, one of the things that's interesting is is there's a few companies right now that are doing are applying LLMs to designing BIM. You know, and I'm really curious to see where that where that goes. I think that yeah, there's there's definitely some stuff that they'll be very easily able to do. There's some things that I think will be like far more challenging, but um, yeah, 
like like I said before, I think this is the most exciting time to be in construction in the last two millennia. So I think that really that what I call the construction renaissance, you know, happened in that 2017 period. The amount of VC funding into the field doubled, you know, and and yeah. it, I mean, when I was trying to sell the construction companies in 2015, like they, you know, they were just like, "Who are you and and what do you want?" You know. Yeah. Whereas now it's great. Like everybody's got a, an innovation lead. Everybody's thinking of, you know, innovation. Yeah. A lot of these startups are getting funded. So it's great. Well, cause it's st- sort of starting at such a sort of low level. There's so much opportunity there. It's not like you're just selling a 10% improvement. This could be, you know, much bigger market. Yeah. I, I, I that is, it has its, it's also you no know, challenges, right? I think that like yeah. the, the industry generally, you know, does not attract, like it's a self-selecting process. Right. I, I actually don't think that the, this, the reason that we are the second least digitized industry in the world is not because we're lazy and stupid. It's simply put because it's, it's harder to digitize construction than other fields. The first thing, one of the first things to get digitized is accounting. How hard is it to digitize numbers in an account to move to another account? Mm. That's the, you know, it's like falling off a log. Whereas with us, you've got, you know, a design of a build. BIM, by the way, is, is a great example of this. If you look at the history of BIM, right, um, if you look at when I started my PhD in 09, the big question was how big is the model? Three stories, 10 stories, 15. Like, do you remember those days? 20 yeah. megabytes, 100 megabytes. But the, the reason that, that buildings, uh, BIM technology, parametric technology was invented in the 70s. Archicad, I think, was found in 82. So why did it take 40 years for us to get there? Simply put, because building models are larger and more complex than engine models. And so the technology existed, it's just that the processors weren't fast enough to crunch it. And we really couldn't start digitizing construction until we digitized the input to construction, which was design. Yeah, designs definitely was the first first bandwagon to, you know, to sort of start with this whole BIM journey with designers starting to pick it up and seeing the efficiencies they could get from just parametric modeling, from uh, modeling from one uh, sort of 3D environment and cutting their sheets for their 2D views. And then contractors looked at the clash detection opportunities and de-risking their cost and program and just took that as a great opportunity. Um, and yeah, you're right. It's it's definitely an exciting time. Um you know, you go on LinkedIn, there's always a new sort of construction tech firm that's, you know, got Series A funding that's starting to go to market. Um, so really exciting time. Um, the question I've, I've got, my next question is on really on AI and how it can start to make sense of construction. So we sort of touched on this, but there's so many complications with the industry There's uh, and with a project. There's multiple design disciplines working around each other, uh, regulatory obligations, unforeseen issues such as weather, delayed deliveries, um, and various sort of contractual lines between the materials, the services, and ultimately the client. So sort of wrapping that up, how can AI or an AI model start to make sense of all of these possible variables, options, and all of these uh, inputs? So it, it's an interesting question you ask because, um, you know, is the solution with running lots of options or AI simulations, et cetera. We have that. We built it. Like Alice was the first simulator in the world. That you can take construction projects, set up the constraints that run it, and you know, in the course of an afternoon, we generate 600 million different ways of building it. 
then the software selects the fastest, cheapest, saves you 17% in duration, 13% the labor and equipment. Um, I actually think that the, the, the missing piece of the puzzle are the translators. What do I mean by that? Um, I think that um, one of the researchers at, at Stanford is working, I think her name is Iro. Iro, and I'm blanking on the family name. I should, should dig it up. But um, she's working on um, like semantically coding BIM models. And so, you know, what's a door? What makes a door a door? Um, and so being able to translate information from one discipline to another, mm. from the, like from the structural to the architecture, from architecture to, um, you know, electrical, or whatever the, the trades are, um, will require, again, a worked out conceptual process model that, that I said, you know, said we don't have. And so I think that um, one of the things we'll need to do, in my opinion, to leverage AI better is to let it sort of understand the semantics behind the data in each of the field so that it can then translate between those fields. That, that's, that's kind of what I think will, will need to happen. Is that sort of like defining a very detailed in plain language scope of what's being installed by, say, the electrical provider or... Yeah, but not in the sense of like, um, oh, the electric provider, you know, like the, the 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 electrical cable is 150 feet long and it you know goes from point A to point B, right? I mean, that's that's already done. But I think that in some ways, like, what is the electricity electrical system in the building solving, and 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 why is it solving it, right? Um, for example, like having the computer understand or having the the, the the AI world understand like what makes um, the the what is the difference between low voltage and high voltage? That's a good one, right? Mm. Why why do we treat them differently? And so therefore the soft the software can understand that like oh the rules for low voltage and rules for high voltage are different. Yeah, and I guess that links into your into the programming side of things as well, where the AI model can understand what's critical, what needs to be in place uh, to un undertake commissioning to get the building operational, sort of understand the importance of... But the, yeah, the key word being understand. Mm. Right. And so, like, currently, we don't understand. The, the software doesn't... Softwares don't understand, right? Not even the LLMs do, right? And so, like, can you make sense of you know, acoustics for a building, right? Can you make sense of, you know, so these are the things that I think being able to translate between various fields information is, is, is I think, something that, that will be needed to be solved at some point. Like, here's another one. Um, we are slowly digitizing the construction process. But if you digitize the construction process, um, um, if you digitize a construction process, um, you you digitize like here's what we're planning to do, and then here's what actually happened. The bricks still have to go on top of each other. But here's what's interesting is that if you want to update your planning system, you'll need to collect uh, data on what actually occurred which tasks were completed, how what percentage is complete, and so on and so forth. 
um the um the um the format of the actuals so pictures images uh lidar point clouds is different than the format of uh the plan mm, yeah so that that's a perfect example of what i'm talking about yeah so how, do you, how do you convert it's a completely different language in a sense to a computer exactly. you compare in english to spanish right yeah. so then then it's like how do you compare it yeah you know folks are like oh it's just, just you know have, have the ai solve it well i've I spent 15 years working on ai it's, it's just like it's a challenge it's not yeah. a button you can press right yeah and i guess it's it's how do you it's how does it understand the nuances of some areas may be um slower progression but some areas they may have advanced further ahead so how does it understand increased um progress as well and understand sort of the difference in the balancing act well you you gotta well yes but but more importantly i mean that's the the, the low-hanging fruit or the easy problem but here's the here's a really tricky part is is you have to explain to it that um um you know um this column wasn't here the column is here but I now need to know which task that applies to the column was completed and in what percentage, you know? And so those are the sort of things that, that are like devilishly difficult for a computer to do. Is that something that Alice as a, as a platform is looking at in terms of at the moment, it's very much geared in sort of the, the planning stage. Are you looking to expand its application into oh, progress yeah. monitoring? We had we had a, a managed construction uh, product at one point, and then uh, we uh, are now working on the next version of it. So for sure, um, are we specifically working on um, you know the semantic translator between a point cloud and the and the schedule? No, uh, I think that's going to come down the line. There's things that need to be solved first. So what we're doing is we are solving. Um, we are actively looking at LLMs and how they apply to our field. And so I think truthfully that, that LLMs are probabilistic in nature and the construction is, is in many ways, I guess, deterministic in the sense that, you know, I have to build a column on the third floor in order to build the fourth floor. Yeah. And so I think that the future lies in the combination of deterministic and stochastic systems, probabilistic systems. And so you can use stochastic systems to feed deterministic systems. That's, I think, how, how it will play out. Mm, to sort of limit your options and then have still someone in control making a decision. Correct, right. Like, I don't want, like, I, I, the, if I use neural nets, the, the, the classic sort of, you know, since day one, I mean, neural nets are not new. They were invented, I think, in the 70s. Uh, the challenge, though, is that for you to do anything useful, you need, you know, 100 billion neurons. And we didn't have the computing power yet again, right? So now we do. But the challenge, the, the great, beautiful, lovely, amazing thing about neural nets is you don't have to explain to the computer how to solve it. Mm. It, figures it, out, it figures out how to solve it. So the two substantial disadvantages are that it can't tell you how it solved it, can't explain how the solution was arrived at. And uh, also very importantly, it's, it's um, probabilistic. Right. It, it it's um it um it's never right a hundred percent of the time. Mm. So the hallucinations in that three percent or ten percent or whatever it is of the time um can cause issues. Right. 
just wonder where with with this application that you've been using in the past, I mean, where are you seeing the most success? Is there a, a sort of a type of project or a, a type of industry, a sub-industry within construction that's sort of lending itself better to the application? It's a good question. Um, I don't know yet. It's pretty early, so we'll see. For us, you know, we see a lot of success with uh, infrastructure industrial. Mm. Um, I think it's because they, they are more ready to use 3D models. Yeah. And um, more open to review and, and to see if they can make those sort of program savings and put yep. it back. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but we're working on a, on, a, on a 2D version of the software. So I should come out in December. We think that can change things. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, it could open it up to more sort of, I guess, yeah, lower value projects where 3D models hasn't been mandated and they're still working traditionally. I'm thinking sort of home building, residential sort of developments where they've got scale in terms of units, but it's not it's not to the same scale and to the same budgets as like an infrastructure bridge project or something like that. Yeah, so yeah really interested to see if if they could start to see how they could optimize and and uh, deliver benefits on program material use and just get you know the residential market moving a lot faster than it than it is at the moment. Right. So uh, thanks very much for your time today. And just to um, end with my final question, what do you see as the utopia of the future of construction? And what do you see as the first steps to take us from where we are now to where we'd need to get to? Great question. Um, I think the utopia of construction is a digital representation of what you're building. And the reason that's significant is that um, once you connect these digital representations of what you're building, you start to unlock um, system-wide efficiencies. So um, one of the biggest problems in any resource-intensive industry is fixed capacity. You know, you have 200 carpenters and you're gonna have 200 carpenters at your company tomorrow. Um, if you can shuffle that capacity around your system, you can unlock some very serious efficiency gains. What I think is, is going to happen at some point is that you, will you know install the the concrete today or pour the concrete today and um it automatically orders um the the or, or automatically tells the, the next person on the job to come in and, and build it free um you need to have you know 10 more carpenters tomorrow and automatically 10 carpenters show up on site um you have robots that are checking what's being built you have robots supporting what's being built. So I think slowly, slowly, you know, as the VC funding is getting poured into the industry and various people are digitizing different pieces of the puzzle, at some point you've digitized enough of it that you can then connect construction sites to your supply chain, construction sites to your design, construction sites to other construction sites. And that's what I think the utopia is. So more of that seamless link between a project, instead of being its own isolated event, it's also linked to um, labour in the market, materials in the market, and also then design teams feeding into that as well. And other projects, yeah. Yeah, and sort of that balance. So do you see that sort of potentially that some, say, main contractors could start to connect the dots between their projects and pool and share resources based on um, what they're delivering over the course of, you know, if they're within one city, could they start to 
on a small scale application of this start to pool resources using AI models? We're not ready, but we're not far. Mm. Yeah, I think that we're still focused on single project optimization. Um, there are like you can do it. You can sort of say, "Hey, I'm going to do single project optimization. I'm going to look at my resource loading and leveling across multiple projects. Combine that information, then manually, you know, do the analysis." That's different than um, that's different than um, having a software do multi project optimization, shuffle resources around. You know, large scale systems, right? I, I have not seen that yet, um, but the the plumbing for doing that is getting installed slowly. So, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, yeah, it's it's coming up, but it's just not there yet. I mean, do you think that regulation or contracts will be the biggest hurdling block? What, what do you sort of see as if technology isn't a problem, as you say, if if we are moving in the right direction, what, what do you think we need to overcome to actually really reach that point? Like I said, you know, I think one you need a, a worked out conceptual model, like a da data, you you know, whether you want to call it process model, conceptual model, data schema, like whatever it is that you you want to call it, like there needs to be some way uh, to standardize information across uh, our various you know systems or various parts mm -hmm. of our of the puzzle or various sort of you know uh, segments in the industry, etc. You know, that's I think one. Um, I think uh, we're lucky that the VC money is still looking like it's pouring in. So that that's, I think, an important piece of the, the puzzle. Um, I think uh, the industry's done a good job in supporting or, or building out sort of innovation leads and pilot programs and so on. So, so that's sort of a, a, an important kind of piece of the puzzle. Um, and, you know, the, the technology has to catch up. You know, so that's easier said than done. I think one of the things you see in our field is that there's there's a lot of application, you know, less uh, really like core deep tech R&D innovation. You know, the Japanese firms, the large Japanese firms I know have like very developed robotics programs um, that they're pouring money into. But again, if, if you're looking at like core tech, it's, it's not... Uh, it's, 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 it's just a smart yeah. hammer in a sense. It doesn't solve some of the bigger issues. Yeah. There's less, I'd say, core R&D in our field at this point. But, um, you know, hopefully they'll change. Yeah. No, it's exciting times ahead. Well, that wraps up everything. Um, just wanted to say thanks a lot for, for joining me. Yeah, likewise, Paul. Thanks for inviting me. Good to be here.